Well, hello there and welcome to We March On with Steve and Tom. Yet again, the unofficial Southampton FC podcast in partnership with the Believe Podcast Network. And because Tom does it every week, thank you again to the Saints Brass for providing our intro music. They do it beautifully as always uh, because it is the same track every single week. So that's why it's so consistent. Tom Deacon, how are you? (laughs) Uh, what a fantastic way to start. Consistency is key. If you are expecting that with this podcast, you are in the wrong place. Your ears are 100%. Yeah, are, are waiting for something that isn't going to happen. Uh, it's a delight to see your face, Steve, even though I should have started by saying bonjour, ça va, because um, moi is in Paris. What a geezer. Gay Paris. <laughs> why can I not see the Eiffel Tower from your window? Uh, because you have to... Why? why... Why have you not set this up so beautifully that I may see the Champs-Élysées from, uh, from your balcony? Uh, Why have I just got the, I don't know, a door or whatever's behind you? You can look out the window and there's a guy moving the rubbish. Uh, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. That's a vital job. Uh, and, uh, annoyingly, no one is walking past with baguettes. I thought that was a thing here, but um, no, no baguettes. It doesn't happen. And there's nothing beautiful. No berets? Um, ne pas de beret, Monsieur Steve, um, <laughs> which is a shame. But hey, listen, I'm sorry. You just get my hotel room. That's all you get. That's fine. As long as it's got your face in it. Why are you in Paris, Tom? Uh, I am doing a job uh, for a very fast uh, automobile company. I'm sure you've heard of them uh, called Renault. <laughs> yep. Uh, Scandinavian for value. Is it? I didn't know that. Uh, that is something I will I will use. <laughs> Um, no, I'm, I'm here doing a job, but you know what I did do today? I went for a run this morning, passed by this horrible looking Meccano building. I, th- I think I call it the Eiffel Tower. And uh, I stopped with my Saints kit on. Come on, I'm technically on holiday. Uh, so I had a Saints kit, went for a run, got a picture. I'm going to post that. So if anyone wants to see a sweaty mess in France, uh, I've got that picture coming your way on our socials, which obviously everybody listening to now is aware of. Yeah, smashing. If you don't, then make sure you do. It's at We March On Pod across everything, I think. Um, you've been in France as well on a cricket tour, Tom, I believe. Yeah, I, I'm not. It's not just football you're into. No, a little bit of le cricket. And funnily enough, the French aren't into it. So uh, it was quite a <laughs> dry event. Uh, but it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for asking, Steve. Uh, did I take any wickets? No. Did I take three catches? Yes. Should it have been four? Yes. Let's not dwell on that. Did I hit a beautiful six? Yes. Did I score highly? No. The point is, it was a lot of fun. Thank you for asking. But just thinking, I'm working for Renault, mate. Um, Is there something going on in your world with cars? Well, if you could sort me out a discount on some sort of like top end Renault sport model, I would probably take you up on that offer. I no longer have a car. Um yeah, it's, it's sad times. Um, uh, as you know, but maybe the listeners don't, I've been driving around uh, my late mother's old uh, 3 Series, 2001. Mm. Um, it was an absolute classic of a car, E46, um, BMW. And it was, let's say, for lack of a better term, on its way out. Mm. Mm. Not not engine-wise, it was, it was great. But in the last couple of weeks... You know when everything just starts to go wrong? Yeah. So every light on the dashboard went saying everything was wrong. Car still ran. It's fine. But it said everything was wrong. Then uh, the central locking stopped working. um, And then I had to manually lock it with the key. Old school style. Mm. 
Then I took a trip a couple of weeks ago and went to lock it when I got there, and the key just started spinning in the door, so then I couldn't lock the car anymore. Um, then I was like, oh, I was like, whatever, what's going to happen? Someone's going to steal it, who cares? Um, and then um, got back from the said trip, my other half decided to, oh, let me try it. I'll try and spin the key loads and see if I can lock it, and must have pressed a button, and then all the windows went down, all of them. And then I couldn't get the windows back up again. And it took maybe half an hour or so. And I finally got like three of the four windows up apart from the back passenger side. So for the last week or so, I'd have to drive around with just the back window down. And obviously we're getting into the, the autumn season and it started raining, being quite cold. And uh, yeah, I had to drive back from London last week and it was blowing an absolute hoolie and raining what's a hoolie I was f- free what, freezing what is a hoolie no one has ever said to me if the autumn's coming it's blowing a hoolie but anyway never heard blowing a hoolie before no, I, so I think that's a common phrase <laughs> um anyway sorry about the tapping my dog is just walking around on the floor here god this is shocking um mabel go away anyway so driving back from London and the wind is blowing through the window, etc. I've got the heaters on full blast just to keep my fingers from freezing against the steering wheel. Uh, and then, you know, when I got into the car and it wasn't that cold when I left London, so I was just wearing a jumper and then obviously have your seatbelt on. And it was getting to the point where I was rather cold halfway down the M3. So I did that thing where you put your coat over yourself, but like a straight jacket over <laughs> your seatbelt. <laughs> I love so it. So I'm driving, driving down the M3, and anyone peering in through the window just think this guy is a nutter. <laughs> like, what is he doing? Using his coat essentially as a blanket with sleeves uh, as he drives down the M3 with his back window down. So, yeah, that was fun. So no car anymore, and uh, now I need to get get a new one. So, you know, I know you've got contacts, Tom. Yeah, yeah. And especially in the, in the world of motorsport. Yeah. Uh, so if you could hook a brother up, it'd be much appreciated. Mate, I feel for you. I feel like this is this is hey, it, you you've hit rock bottom. I feel like this is a great analogy for the Southampton FC football team. It's it's the three windows are finally up. One's not working. It's a little bit breezy. It's blowing a hoolie. mate. That's the perfect way to get into this podcast for this week. Well, we have got. A fair bit to dissect, not all of it positive. Shall we get into it, Tom? Oh, mon amour, let's go. Allez. All right then, Steve, uh, we need to be talking as positively as we can about the match, the result against Everton. It was a loss, 2-1 at home at St Mary's, took the lead with Joe Rebo, and after that, it all went downhill. Steve, you were there. Uh, what is your mm. take from that game? It was... Uh, I don't want to use the word, like, typical, because maybe maybe it has been in the past, but not so much recently. But it was just an, an odd one again, and it was frustrating more than anything. It was, it was you, know when, you know, when you do something wrong and um, one of your parents says they're not angry, they're just disappointed. It was, it was a bit like that. Because it yeah. just felt like there was so much more that could be done. Um, so first half was was quite drab, really. <laughs> I would say that, yeah, I'd say that Everton were probably the better team. Um, in fact, definitely the better team. Excuse me, this dog is absolutely kicking off and just wanting to be here. Mabel, if you sit on my lap, will that be better? There we go. Sorry. Uh, for anyone listening at home, my dog has just decided to interrupt the uh, the podcast and want some attention. Um, so, first half, very drab. 
Everton clearly the better of the team or the most likely to take the lead. Um, thankfully, going in at the break, nil-nil, come out. Oh, it's like a different side. Straight out of the blocks, Joe Rebo grabs a goal in I think like the 46th or 47th minute. And we're like, oh, we're on here. Ralph's out of words. You know, he's he's given them the talk at halftime and fired them up. Mi- minutes later, I mean, maybe a minute or two later, Everton get a, uh, I can't remember if it was a free kick or a corner. I don't know why I can't remember that now. Um, I think they get a corner. And, um, and then whip it in. It's headed at the back post across goal and then Connor Cody levels it up. And you're thinking, oh my God, I actually just laughed. I was like, I can't believe it's only taken them a minute or two to get back into this. And it's kind of like super fast paced now. You think, oh, game's on here. Both sides are really, really up for this. Um, And Shea has an opportunity to put Saints back 2-1 in front. Don't know how he actually doesn't score. Pickford makes the save. Um, It's basically just one-on-one. And then straight from that save, Everton go down the other end. And Dwight McNeil lashes oh. one right past Bazunu. I mean, no one's stopping it. It was a fantastic strike. And then all of a sudden, Everton just go, no, we're happy with this. We're just going <laughs> to not, not try anything now. Shut up, shop. Everton sat, shut up, shop. They sat back the whole game, barely had another attack. And Southampton, what was disappointing was that just could not take any chances. Had chances, were making some chances, maybe not completely clear cut, bar, the, bar maybe one or two, and just couldn't, couldn't finish them off. Shaletta Saar uh, had a had a chance at, um, from a, a lovely cross, I believe, from James Ward-Prowse um, and blazed it over the bar. And then one of the last kick of the games, Adam Armstrong suddenly found himself again in the box. Lovely little bit of work. Got himself again, just him and Pickford, just had to poke it past the keeper and just pokes the, the tamest uh, P-roller of a shot um, that, that Pickford easily grabs and, and, and scoops up. So... Yeah, just and you just left feeling a bit deflated, a bit... It's just another game that's come and gone where so much more could have been taken. Yeah. Like, you could understand it if Southampton had been absolutely battered or not been at the races and couldn't string passes together and it just wasn't working. But the fact it kind of was in, in a way, that second half was so dominant um, because ever, as soon as Everton, like I said, take the lead, took the lead, stopped playing essentially, other than from out from the back... And just Saints just could not mm. finish off an opportunity. Yeah, it, it's um, it's just a, it's a disappointing loss. It goes under that we file that under a disappointing loss, kind of like the United one. There were chances, but maybe more so annoying this Everton result. Um, Klaus Lundervam was not happy. I saw his quote. Uh, he said, "It's uh, it's um, so it's unforgivable." That's what he said. When you take the Is that lead, what he said unforgivable. Yeah, you take the lead. That's when you need your experienced players. To just concentrate um, and to and to concede two goals in three minutes is just well, it's pathetic. I mean, Dwight McNeil's shot, like you say, was was a, was a, an absolute bloody rocket. However, mm. Gav Bazuna, this is near post. Should he have got that? Either way, look, it's a thunderous strike. It's gone in, and then we've again just not taking our chances. Uh, for me, it is the most frustrating part of it, and because of that. You mentioned Ralph probably having a word at halftime. Um, I don't know. Everything I've read after the match where he doesn't necessarily chat to the to players after the game, didn't mm. go into the dressing room to talk, makes you just wonder what's going on here. We, like That experience we need, we need a few leaders on the pitch to to, to lead us, basically. Um, doesn't seem to be happening. 
do I think the wheels have come off like your your motor mate? Uh, not that the wheels came off. <laughs> are the win- <laughs> are, is, is the key? Is have the, the windows gone down? Yeah, have the windows gone <laughs> down? Is the key just spinning around? Um, I feel like it is, but I don't know. I mean. They didn't play that badly. They just didn't take their chances and then lost three minutes of concentration and the first half was poor. I mean, you know. It seems like that's the story, though, for the last four, three or four games of the season. Um, we had Klaus actually on, on Saints Live um, this week doing the, the pre and post-match show for the club. And uh, yeah, he did seem quite down um, in, 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 the second, uh, in the second show, the post-match show. Um, I didn't know he'd, he'd he'd put those comments maybe on social media or whatever, but um, he, he def- definitely wasn't happy, probably quite judgmental of, of the team, but maybe rightly so because it feels a, like a pattern has formed over the last three or four games of this mm. sense of disappointment of not being able to to score, definitely. I mean, what was it? It was 1-0 against Wolves, 1-0 loss against Villa, uh, 2-1 loss against Everton. We're just not scoring enough goals and... and we were kind of a team that had taken the most points from losing positions, which isn't necessarily always the, the best uh, stat to have, even though impressive as it may be. But we need to start being the team that holds on to points from winning positions yeah. and being able to score. And you mentioned Ralph in terms of not talking to the players. Um, it seems to be th- this is a story which has rumbled for, for a little while, especially in, in terms of these sources leaking this kind of information. Um the Athletic, the sports publication, has gone with Ralph has got two games to save his job. Mm. One of those is against Man City, so I do feel that's a little bit unfair. Uh, one game to save his job, really, which would be against, I believe, Bournemouth mm. oh. uh, in, a, in a midweek game. Um, and But my uh, knowledge is from a source, not a direct source to me, but from a secondhand source to me, is that that's not entirely true. Um, that the, the club are willing to give Ralph a bit more time um, to turn this ship around. I think the thing is, it's I I like Ralph, and I suppose it's tough to take away your kind of, or it's tough to separate. I suppose your like for someone's personality yeah. against the results business of football, and it does feel like we're in that same merry-go-round that we've been in for seasons gone by, where we'll have a. a a purple patch and then all of a sudden there's no consistency within the team mm. but then but to, for me uh there's loads of things that you said then uh, number one uh, i think we've got west ham on the sunday uh so it'll be it'll be man city then west ham then bournemouth and again right. you, you, i'm just saying because you, you feel like you could maybe pick up three points at least out of those those three getting that win against bournemouth um and I totally agree with you. I, I like Ralph. Everything that I've read recently, these sources, whether it's the Athletic or not, um, make me think that he, I, I think he's likable. He leads. He leads that team, but he's not a, a personable one-on-one. That's the things that I've read. And when the players go out on the pitch, they're the ones that driving it. Um, and I think there is that inexperience. And I do feel that what team in the Premier League has consistency throughout the season man city that's the team that you would say they have one or two losses and then that's it i think it's it's difficult but a lot a, a lot of fans are thinking you know uh everything has an expiration date everything has to come to an end um you know and if you get a win it sort of papers over those cracks so it, it damned if you do damned if you don't 
a decision has been made, we've got to stick with it and hopefully pick up some points because regardless of whether Ralph goes or not, Southampton is the thing that will stay forever. So hopefully pick up some points um, and, and, and see what happens. But um, you, you have to think that the directors are, are making decisions further down the line because it wasn't even talked about Ralph going at some point anyway. He, he wasn't planning to stay forever until they got the new replacement. Well, kind of on that topic of of nothing lasts forever and, and, and on Ralph really specifically, we should probably touch on the fact that what could happen potentially because sacking season is in full swing now in the Premier League. We've seen multiple managers go already. Scott Parker has left Bournemouth earlier this season. Thomas Tuchel, surprisingly, was let go by Chelsea. Bruno Large, the Wolves boss, he was sacked the other day. And also a number of managers under pressure. Steve Cooper at Forest, um, they're now bottom of the table, got leapfrogged by Leicester, who we all know are maybe not doing the best at the moment under Brendan Rodgers. And both of them really facing scrutiny. And Ralph is 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 also in, in that category, I would say. Maybe not quite at the same level of um, of on the burner. Maybe the gas isn't turned up quite so high underneath Ralph just yet. But it's starting to kind of simmer rather mm. than boil, should we say, just now. And and we've touched on it in, in previous episodes, Tom. We've seen, obviously, a lot of chat on social media. We know how fickle football fans can be. Yeah. And we know how we know how one loss can, can make you despondent and one win can make you jubilant, is that... There's very many a hashtag of Ralph out. Yeah. Um, now, we obviously just spoke about the fact that we like him. I, I quite like when he's brave and some of his tactical decisions, I think, are quite good. But it feels inconsistent and sometimes he'll do stuff and stick with it, even though it's not working. And um, what, what do you think on Ralph? Do you think that, that this can be turned around? He's now been our manager for, is it three seasons, four seasons now? Yeah. Um, it's been two or three relegation battles essentially um and we thought maybe this season could turn a corner seven points in the first five games looking all right mid-table and it's kind of been downhill for the last three or four games and now we sit in 15th which is kind of a a similar feel to what it's been like for three or four years now yeah look i mean what i rambled on uh and i'll see it as a ramble and i'll i'll i'll, I'll be honest i felt it was a ramble <laughs> taking on your point a minute ago but a lot of what I'm tr- I feel is coming out from that. I feel like Ralph is the manager. I feel like this is an inexperienced team uh, learning to gel together. We always knew that problem was going to happen this season. Money's been invested. Uh, I feel like Ralph should keep that job um, to see see the the idea through. Um, I also feel like up until the World Cup in Qatar, for me, is is a good opportunity for him to be moved along if, if the results aren't coming his way. So for me, th- that was my time period. But A, I don't own the club. As a fan, that was, that's practically that, that's my practical part of the brain saying that. Uh, as a fan, yeah, I'm as flippant as everybody else and thinking, wow, well, mate, come on, what's going on? We, we've got the players. However, I sometimes see that the inadequacy of Adam Armstrong not being able to score <laughs> easily unless it's a, an instinctive strike and for Shea Adams... Um, you know, is that Ralph's fault? Um, whose fault is it that we don't have a striker? We should have got one in the transfer um, window. I don't think all the blame lies with Ralph. 
But didn't we buy one? That's the thing. It's like we we bought Mara. Seiku Mara and Joe Aribo technically has been playing up front a fair bit, mm. maybe as a as like a false striker as a as a as a ten or as a slightly wide forward. But you would say that Southampton do have the attacking players, and and we we spoke about it really early on into this season is that he's been backed. This is one of the first seasons where he spent a fair bit of money. Yeah, um, and. I don't know the inner workings of the football club, how much he has a say on each individual player or whether the scouting system says, we found this guy, here's a videotape, what do you think of him? Yeah, get him in or whatever. I don't know how much Ralph has a say on every single player that's brought in, but essentially backroom staff has been changed. Money has been spent this window, admittedly, as you say, on some inexperienced players and trying to get a lot to gel together is more difficult. In in, uh, the Everton game, I felt that it did feel quite disjointed at times. There were so many changes mm. and I was surprised at how many changes there were. And starting with Mara, Shaletta, Saar. Um, is that because, who, of the, who else? Is that because of the international break uh, playing the young uh, Spaniard from, that, that we got from uh, Man City? Larios at left back, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I look, it's, it's, Roman Perro's not in the French national team, is he? No, but I, I, I think... Of course, if a new manager comes in, depending on who that is, there's going to be a bounce. A few of the players that have obviously, or clearly, because in any business, regardless of football, there's people in that team that probably don't like Ralph. Like, it's just a natural walk of life. It's just the way it is. They don't like Ralph, and a new manager comes in, and it'll give them the bounce, and they'll start playing better. But when, then then a purple patch won't be there anymore. We'll be in a, 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 a trough. Mm. It's not a good situation. That manager... We saw the same thing with Mark Hughes, didn't we? Yeah, massively. Yeah, had, had, had that bounce, had that bounce, saved us from, from relegation, essentially. And then it, the, the, it started to crumble the following season. It, 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 you're right, you're completely right. It happens almost 90% of yeah. the time. So, so I agree that maybe it is the right time to change things. I would agree with a lot of fans. It's time to change uh, the Ralph policy. Ralph out. Thank you very much. Been brilliant. Move on. But then I'm also like, well, who's going to come in? Who's going to do a better job? If you just want to bounce back and uh, uh, three or four games where we play a lot better, great. But that's not a long-term solution. So I've always believed in these players have come in. Ralph wants them. He's had some money. Let's just not be sacking him anytime soon. Just sit on it. it and you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. It's really frustrating yeah. being a, a, a football fan. Um, I, I like Ralph. So I'm going to stick with the fact I like Ralph. Uh, he, he, he is a personable player. I like him. I've interviewed him a few times. Top bloke. Um, but maybe that's the wrong way of looking at it. Maybe we should be more ruthless and just be like, no, you're not good enough. Out you go. Next manager in. Oh, you're not very good. We could turn into a Watford. What do you want? I think what we all want is a team that's winning and feeling like we're playing the best we possibly can. Yeah, I mean, we can't win every single game. Everyone completely understands that. I think you just want to see progression. Um, and you are right. Time does need to be given. I, I'm always a big believer in projects and the fact that you can't turn around a club instantaneously unless you are one of the, the huge clubs in world football and you're spending hundreds of millions every single season to just buy amazing players in who will be able to play together and then as soon as you start losing a couple of games sack that manager off you've still got all those amazing players bring another one in for most other clubs 
It requires time to build, to gel, especially with Southampton bringing in a lot of young players and then that model of developing them over time into a certain player of a, of a particular manager's image and then improving their value and selling them on. So, yeah, in a way, I, I completely agree with that. I think that I would love to see Ralph given more time and hopefully turn this around and we start seeing his real image. Yeah. But then the, the other, the kind of cynic in me thinks, well, he's had three years already or two and a half years, however long it's been. And how long does it actually take to be able to get there? Um, because we are in a very um, uh, impatient uh, industry. Football is impatient. Um, you always want instant success. You always want, like you said, that kind of bounce. But you are right. Who would, who realistically would come in and do better? Yeah, who who would do better long term than a manager, Ralph? Who, you know, will use young players in the team? And we, we've just signed uh, two young lads, uh, England under seventeens, under eighteens from Tottenham. Why? Because they know that there's a there's a pathway in to playing for uh, Southampton from their the B Premier team. Yeah, that there isn't at Tottenham. So you know, and I see stuff on I see stuff on social media, and it's like. Um, Bring Poch back, right? Now, don't be wrong. It'd be great to see Poch back. But is he going to come in and be go, I'm coming back to Southampton for 10 years. I'll be the manager for the next 10 years and I'll try and win the Premier League. No, he's not. If Poch did, it's completely unrealistic. But if he ever did come back, it'd be for like a season or two before another massive club comes along and takes him away again. That's just the, the cycle he's in in his career. So I think there does have to be a level of realism of who would... Who is available or who would you get in that would be better than Ralph at this current moment and still have a long-term project vision rather than use us as a stepping stone club? Yeah, 100%. I, I, I think also what the issue is for a lot of fans, and look, you were there, you were watching. I was watching the highlights afterwards and keeping up to date with um, on Twitter while I was in France. But essentially, it's a very uh, defensive mindset this season. We're not getting beat by a lot it's one or two goals here or there man city will be the test <laughs> can we hold back another hat trick from harland but essentially we're not pushing forward not scoring lots of goals so sometimes fans always say and i do i go oh, i just want exciting football well that means you, mm. you're probably going to get dicked one week <laughs> and then do really well the next so so what do you want we're not winning it's somewhere in the middle it's not that exciting if we can pick up enough wins to stay in the Premier League, that's better for the club. But it's boring as a fan to go and watch. Um, so I, 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 that that inner Southampton monologue is like, come on, let's just have anybody. Even if it's Sean Dyche for a little bit, at least we might win, get score. You know, the, the, mm. looking at Leicester and how they scored four goals against Nottingham Forest, I just can't see Southampton scoring more than two goals in a game this season at the moment. Yeah. So, so what, what do we want? I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And that does that I suppose that those kind of decisions will rest with with Ralph, with the manager because if you haven't brought in a striker who's for lack of a better term prolific mm. or can at least get 15 to 20 a season, I think it really shows how much in the last year we've missed Danny Ings mm. massively. Um and then also the decision to even if it was his his decision to to want to move back to Spain, letting Oriol go and not bringing in another defensive midfielder, even yeah. a young one, because we've, we've touched on it before of, of how crucial 
18-year-old Romeo Lavia has become to this team. And since he's been out with this hamstring injury, I feel that teams can easily transition through the park and we rely on Prousey to be a jack-of-all-trades and set up goals and defend and move out to the wing and cross balls in. Um, it's unrealistic and I think we are missing that defensive midfielder. But... You know, we've got a real easy game against Man City next, so let's just hope we can turn it around there. Right, Tom, it is time to... It's not quite the midway point, but probably after that, but it's to ask you your... Mabel, it's not your turn to sing, it's mine. Saints trivia question of the week. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Love that. Uh, so this week, Tom, um, because we are playing Man City next, I was like, oh, who's been a Saints player who could potentially have been in a Man City team in the past? Um, so this is the question. If you're playing along at home, do let us know. Drop us a tweet in. Although you'd have already found out the answer by the time you uh, get your fingers to your phone. But we'll, we'll, anyway, just do it for a laugh. Uh, but Tom, anyway, your question this week is, which ex-Saint has this career path? Southampton, Chelsea, Fulham on loan, Man City, West Ham on loan, Sunderland on loan, another loan to Brighton and then Reading. The answer will come up shortly. Right, Tom, there we go. Back from our uh, non-existent advert break um, and into the answer of which ex-Saint had the career path of Southampton, Chelsea, Man City, Fulham on loan, West Ham on loan, Sunderland on loan, Brighton on loan and Reading. I haven't got a clue, mate. <laughs> no, You've I, not really? Uh, I thought this would be right up your alley. Oh, hello. Um, I, I, I can f Just thinking of the Reading players, I know Josh... Sims was at Reading, but it isn't Josh Sims. I know that Shane Long's at Reading right now. Uh, Saints to Chelsea. I think that's the clue, isn't it? Who's moved? I think a two or three time Premier League winner as well. Two time Premier League winner? It's not Ryan Bertrand. That's the connection between Chelsea and Saints. It's not Bertie. It's not It's not um, Jack Cork. Mate, um, it's just all those teams in between. Sunderland. I can't think of any Saints players at Sunderland. I, Magnums. Uh, I can't think of any. Mate, put me out of my misery. Well, they were on loan, but permanent clubs being Southampton, Chelsea, Man City and uh, Reading. Wayne Bridge. Oh, that's annoying that. I should have had that. Yeah, I should have had that. Wayne Bridge. Joined Jose's revolution at Chelsea, won a Premier League title or two, went to Man City. I think also won the 2012 Premier League title with Man City. Um, and yeah, Wayne Bridge. Oh, mate, I feel I feel like a mug now. Uh, he was at a comedy gig I did in Winchester uh, <laughs> during the when we'd come out of lockdown. Uh, he was there. I met him, Bridgie, because I think... Yeah, it was really nice. I was like, Wayne Bridge is in the crowd. I know Wayne Bridge. I'm a Saints fan. <laughs> and uh, he was he was out with his mates, and um, they were they were getting on it. Uh, they were having. I, I don't want to you know spread rumours, but he was having a pint in a pub. What? Um, oh my god! I know. I don't think that's a revelation too much. But basically, everyone was uh, was top fun at that club. Oh, that's really annoyed me. That I should have got that, mate. I'm sorry. I should have got you, that. You should have done because that's kind of your era as well. I think of growing up 
with with Saints yeah. when he was in the team between sort of like the the late nineties and early two thousands. I remember him scoring a worldie against Wimbledon. I remember him imitating the Mick Shannon uh, celebration, swinging his arm around, sort of windmill style. Um, he was he he was one of those players again, like Southampton had. Uh, if we'd have had him for another couple of seasons, he'd have been quality. He actually um, kept uh, Franny Benali out of the team, which um, and I'm a big Franny fan, so that's probably why I've tried to burn him out of my memory. You know, no one, <laughs> no, no one disses yeah. our Franny, um, mate. What what a what a great uh, quiz um, question that was. Um, and anybody else who's listening right now who would like to get involved and you would like a longer break, um, then we can advertise your business. There you go. I feel like I sold it fairly well there. Um, here's a question yep. for you, Mr. Steve. I've seen it all on the the socials at the moment. Uh, Prousey, um is uh, the speculation about two players leaving us very shortly, which is classic. When a team is down, everyone gets their boot in. Um, Bella Kocha is potentially being scouted by Liverpool because they've got some drastically bad defending going on there. So he's potentially being uh, cited to go there. And also Prousey. He wants to get in that England team and then he'll need to move on. We spoke about it in another podcast, but it's classic. Th- these speculations go around basically when a team's not doing very well because they're weak. But I tell, you know what I tell them, Steve, everybody, get off our players. You can't have them. They're not performing well enough for us to let them go in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least give Bella Kotchap a season. Yeah, yeah let because- him have a season, mate. He's no Robbie Keane. He's not going to go to Liverpool for six months and, and bugger <laughs> off. He's, um, yeah, and, and Prousey, I think, if you were asking me, uh, thanks, Mabel, again. Um, if you're asking me, I think that that moment maybe is gone now for him. He's 27, 28 years old. Um, I think if there was ever a time to have that big money move, it would have been in the last two windows. Yeah. And it hasn't happened. So, yeah, I think we can be be content with this uh, my dog certainly thinks so yeah um, if that's audible over this um, I, I can't, does not want Prousey to leave do you know what I can't hear it at all so I think Mabel wanted to be in this podcast she won't get any royalties so um, shut your mouth Mabel you're not you're not getting involved I love I love your dog Steve um, I will say this though last podcast I, I talked to the big talk about um, Ballard he's only gone and scored again hasn't he Get him in that lineup. Scored against Exeter. Well, maybe there's there's the striker, isn't it? There's there's our our new Ings potentially uh, coming through the ranks. Um, we'll see. It's going to be a, a real tough test next week, Tom. Yeah. We have got Man City away. They just pumped four past Manchester United in the first half of the Manchester derby. That game ended six three. Haaland got another. I never know where it's Haaland or Holland. I think he says in Norway it's Holland, but we everyone just says Haaland. Um, he got another hat-trick, his third consecutive home hat-trick, unreal. Um, Phil Foden, another three goals for him in that match. City looks simply unstoppable. Mm. So I don't know whether this is just a hall pass yeah, this just, this next next week. I could, just get out of the way yeah, and then we'll move on. Yeah, just close your eyes, guys. Uh, I will say this. Uh, I feel like it will be remarkable. Southampton will be able to hold off Haaland scoring. There's my bet. But everyone else will pump in a few goals, right? We'll hold or we'll hold back Harlan. Also, Gav Bazuna, the only goalkeeper in the Premier League, uh, not to have a clean sheet. So mm. it's not looking great. I just think we no. just we, we do just... tend to do 
better against the bigger teams, though. Yeah. Especially City, two draws last year and beat them the season before that. Yeah, Ralph seems to be able to find a way to uh, frustrate Pep. Uh, look, the guys will be up for it. Uh, this is a great showcase all around the world. When you're a team that plays Man City, everyone's waiting for you to be pumped. And if you're not, everyone's like, who are these guys? So I, I expect a better performance from all the players. They'll up their game. I, I, I can't wait for it. Um, I, in as much as, you know... A miracle could happen, and to know that you're a Southampton fan, you, you're so much, you're so proud. When we got that draw last season, it was amazing. Well, I just hope anyone making the trip up to the Etihad next Saturday, um, their money and their time is well spent, and they at least see, at least they see one of the best strikers in Europe. <laughs> I, let's just, I, let's just say that. I appreciate your efforts, uh, every Saints fan. Um, Steve, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, Paris is calling me. I've got to go and eat some bread and cheese. That's what we do here. Yeah, cool. I've got to go and get breakfast. Um, I was very late up today um, and jumped onto this pod super, super quickly. Um, not even had a shave or anything. So I'm off to, you know, get myself ready for the day and have a gas man come in and fit a new hive thermostat because we all know the cost of living's going up. So I spent a hun- hundred quid on probably the potential of saving a hundred pounds over the next year. So, you know, well spent. Anyway, uh, that's my day. Uh, and you enjoy France and Renault and all the things that come with that. And until the next time, Tom, play us out, Saints Brass. <laughs> <laughs>